You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our Greenville teaching pastor, Matt Humphrey. Last week, we started a series on prayer called Before the Throne. Um, and so we, uh, we, we jumped right into it. And uh, if you missed last week, uh, what's really cool is now you can actually listen to those. Uh, we started last week our official podcast. And so, uh, yes, it's awesome. We're on Apple and Spotify Renovation Church. You can catch messages from Simpsonville and from Greenville in one location. So uh, wherever you subscribe to podcasts, check it out um, if you miss a week. Uh, but, but really excited. Last week, before we talked about you know, how we pray, last week we talked about this idea that if we don't understand prayer's effectiveness, the power of prayer, we're never going to do it. Uh, we're never going to, to create rhythms of, of prayer, of, of this relationship with God in our lives. Because if we, if we think it's just some lofty thing, uh, if we don't actually see that prayer has the power to change lives, that if you put your faith in Jesus, that you prayed to receive Christ, that your eternity was changed through prayer. Not that prayer did it, it's a sacrifice of Jesus, but prayer is this beginning of a relationship. And so we talked about the, the power of prayer. And then James says, hey, if you're sick, like if anyone's in need, like all of these circumstances, the response is to pray. Um, and so this week we're talking more about how to pray. Because prayer is, is, is essential. It's that communication. And every single relationship requires communication. And it's a building block for a, a, a healthy marriage, friendship, work environment. You name it. Any relationship requires communication. And just like our communication with God requires us to communicate because God is speaking. Um, so, uh, you know, last week I, I kind of challenged you guys with this idea that, hey, take 10, 15 minutes a day. And I didn't say it in first, but somehow I, it just flew out of my mouth that if you do this and it's not beneficial, your life didn't change, I'm going to buy you lunch. So clarification, if you actually do that. Uh, but I was saying if you just carve out 10, 15 minutes a day and you just pray. Without distraction, uh, without anything else going on, even for the first little bit, just sit quiet before God. I, I promise you that the rhythms of your daily life and the rhythm of your spiritual, if your walk with Jesus, will dramatically change. It's kind of like, especially when my kids were younger, if somebody got hurt or they were deeply offended or, or one of, you know, my kids never fight, but if they did, uh, you know, one of them comes running and screaming to you, like when they can't talk, you know, when they're, when the crying is so bad, it's silent. Cause you know, like you're a thud and you don't hear crying. You're like, oh, that's bad. You know, as a parent, uh, but when they come like snot coming out, ears, you know, tears coming down, just frantic and just hysterical at you. Like it's hard to problem solve in that moment as a parent, it's hard to know exactly what's going on. You're like, all right, calm down, take a deep breath. Your lips are purple, breathe. Let's, let's wipe the, the, the snot, the tears from your eyes. Like before you can ever, even get an assessment of the situation, you need them to calm down. Like chill out for a minute, right? Just like take a deep breath. Let's, let's assess what's going on. And the reality is you and I can go to God in a, in a frantic panic of I've got three minutes. God, this is what's going on. I need this. I need this. I need this. And the, the, the discipline of being quiet is that settling of our heart. Before we come with our to-dos, our things that we need from God, we just go to God. 
And so that's why, like, and you're like, silence, like, that, that's awkward. I'm in my thoughts. I don't have time. You have time. Make time. Make it a discipline to be with the Lord. Um, all right, participation here. Uh, first thing that comes to mind, I want you to respond, okay? If I say the word breakfast. Bacon. bacon. We have some bacon people. Come on. Eggs. Somebody said you know, salad greens. No, just. Uh, uh, or if I, if I say uh, burger. It's bacon again. Yes. We got a theme going on here. Um, or or uh, here we go. Pizza. Did I hear pineapple? Somebody said pineapple? You may leave, sir. No. <laughs> just playing. I, I, my kids love pineapple on pizza. I, I eat it. It's not bad, but it's not my first choice. Uh, some people are like, pineapple doesn't believe, belong on pizza. They are very adamant about that. Um, but what, let's, let's use pizza as an example. What defines pizza? Like if, if we say, well, pizza has to have pepperoni. No, it, it doesn't. I mean, you'd be lacking if you didn't have pepperoni, sausage, bacon, ham, all the meats, right? Let's be honest. Men, come on. Uh, they can find a way to put chicken wings on top of pizza. I'm there. Um, but it doesn't require that. It's good if it has it, right? But like there's some basic elements that create it. Like pizza should have some kind of like bottom, some kind of crust, whether it's wheat, whether it's white flour, whether it's cauliflower, whether it's like rice wraps, whatever else is going on with pizza. Um, bed of broccoli. I don't know. Uh, it needs to have some kind of base and generally a sauce, white sauce, red sauce, olive oil, like it needs a sauce. And then usually, hopefully cheese uh, and some toppings, right? But it doesn't require all of the things. Now, when we talk about prayer, prayer is not a secret formula to get God to do what you want him to do. Prayer is not like, hey, if you kneel the right way, say the right things, stand in the right posture on your face, uh, and say the right words, that God is going to answer your prayers just like that. What, what we're going to look at today is, is there's some necessary parts, there's some, some ingredients, there's some things that should be in our prayer life, in our rhythms of praying but, but not everything is a, well, if it doesn't have this, God's like, mm, you forgot to say that. Or you didn't, oh, you didn't address me in this certain way. I'm not listening to the rest. That's not the heart of God. Um, what we're looking at is, is, is what does biblical God-honoring communication with our Heavenly Father look like? What does that look like? If only we had an example somewhere to follow, right? If only there was somewhere in Scripture where somebody asks the question, Jesus, hey, Jesus, how do we pray? Well, good thing, because we do, right? So if you got your Bible with you, jump to Matthew chapter 6. Uh, we're going to stay in Matthew chapter 6 uh, today. But uh, in Luke's account, literally the disciples were asking Jesus, Jesus, teach us not how to pray, but teach us to pray. Teach us to pray like you pray. Because Jesus would spend time with the Father. He would go away from everybody else. He would spend time with his Heavenly Father. Jesus had a normal rhythm. Think about it. If God, the Son, right? We've got the Trinity going on here, right? If the Son found it important to pray to the Heavenly Father, and their God certainly messed up, jacked up us, we need to pray. Like, we're dependent upon the Lord. We, we have to be. So Matthew chapter 6, we're going to start in uh, verse 5. 
Jesus says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. So even if it has to be the bathroom door to get some privacy, do it. Like he's saying, go find a spot away from people, whether it's a, a closet, whether it's outside, whether it's uh, before everyone else in your house gets up. Like, like find time, not just once a week when you're at church, when someone on stage is praying. That's not a prayer life. Saying, hey, when you pray, go away. So you're not distracted. You're not distracted by what other people will think and by what other people are saying, where it's you and the Father. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do, for they think that their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. We'll stop right there. I saw a story this week of a woman who went to Disney World, um, and she, the, the ride malfunctioned, and she got stuck on a ride for, for over an hour. And it, she even said, like, for about 45 minutes, she felt like no one even knew she was stuck. Uh, but everything in the ride continued to function except for the actual mechanism driving her through. And for an hour, she sat in It's a Small World. Yes, exactly. The same song on repeat over and over and over and over. Like at some point, this is the start to a horror movie. That it's a small world after all. You know, just like the mind numbing, just like, oh, I would have swam. I would have got out the boat. And now it's probably only a foot deep, but I would have, I would have left the ride. I would have not stayed in that thing. But he's saying like in the same way, don't just say things over and over and over and over again and think that makes you more spiritual, that God's going to hear it on the 37th time and say, okay. Like, like that's, he's, he's saying, don't be like that. Don't let your words be empty. We, we talked about it several weeks ago, but the, the, the showdown on Mount Carmel with Elijah and the prophets of Baal, they were, they were babbling on and on and on and on and on and on and on, repeating themselves over and over and over and over again. He said, don't do that. Don't be like them. So here's the important part, is that more than words, the heart is what matters. More than the, the words, more than the exact ingredients, the heart is what matters. The heart is what matters in our prayer, that we pray to be heard by God, not seen by man. Um, you know, even the disciples, when they're, they're asking, um, the, the, the religious, rather, the religious hypocrites, like, they would, uh, they would recite these long and lofty prayers. They would look down at other people, and they would do it in order to get recognition from the people around them. They wanted to appear more spiritual than everybody else. And it's not that uh, people would stand on the street corners and pray, but what would happen is that three times a day, the, the, the mandatory times of prayer, these people just happened to be in crowded areas. Like, oh, 
oh, it's three o'clock, it's time for me to pray. I'm in the middle of a street corner and they would pray out loud. Like they would strategically place themselves and their day in a spot where they're in front of the most people. Not like, oh, it's becoming a time of prayer. I need to go home and find a secluded spot. It was, oh, it's time to pray. Let me go out in front of everyone so I can be super spiritual. That was their heart. It wasn't to be heard by God. It was to be seen by man. And he's saying, don't be like that. That's not the kind of prayer that honors God. That's, that's not a relationship. That's, that's putting on a spiritual front so that people think you're somebody you're not. He's saying, hey, when you pray, get, get alone, get away. Uh, and like l- literally the, the, the translation for the words for like babble, it's just not, it's like blah, blah, blah. Like you're, you're just, it's just words coming out of your mouth because they're not tethered to your heart. And so they mean nothing. And so you think that just with like extra words, like why is it that people can speak normal? Not everyone, but sometimes. And then when they go to pray, it's like it's transposed out of a Shakespearean play. It's like, thou lordest thus beseechest thee. What does that word even mean? I don't know. Beseechest? I don't, I don't know. But it's like for, you know, that you've, this, this sustenance that you've provided for thine offspring and thyself, like, why? why? You've never said the word thy your entire life, but when you pray, it's like you throw that out left and right. Thine, thou, thouest, like, just, no. No, just no. Don't, don't use words, it, it's, the effectiveness of your prayer is not based on how eloquent you can sound by how many Old Testament references you can throw in the middle of a prayer and how many names you can name. Like, it's, it's not based on how long it is. It's not based on how loud it is from everyone. It's, it's the, the effectiveness of our prayers are, are based on the connection of our heart. It's the, the connection of the relationship that we have with the Lord by how we model ourselves after the life of Jesus. Like that, don't get big and loud and, and, and have people looking things up in a dictionary later, okay? Hey God, I need you. God, I'm, I'm, I'm desperate for you. That's the kind of prayer that, that honors the Lord. So um, what, what I love is that people are like, oh, the Old Testament is just grace and it's just mercy. But if you, if you compare the two, like we're, we're not under the law anymore, but Jesus' teachings always, always took it to a further level. Like it's like, hey, don't murder anyone, check. Well, Jesus is like, hey, if, you've, if you're harboring anger and bitterness in your heart and hatred in your heart, you're, you're committing murder in your heart. And so like everything that Jesus addressed and talked to got to the root, to the heart, to the, to the issue itself, not to the circumstances, but to the issue itself. And so that's what he's doing in this. And, and also we have to remember that every single word that came out of the mouth of Jesus, um, none of it was like the fluff that you put in the five-page paper writing growing up. You know what I'm talking about. You wrote the same sentence 14 different ways and reworded it and, and did all this. And at the end of the day, you said nothing, okay? 
Jesus never did that. Jesus never added fluff into his speaking. Every word was poignant, was powerful, was, a, was, was there on purpose, served a purpose. Every word that came out of his mouth was, was timely, was accurate, was, was like an arrow. It was aimed, it was perfect. So Jesus says, pray like this. Verse 9. Our Father in heaven. Now, some of you may have memorized this in the old King James. Our Father, thou art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth that is is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespassers as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Right? Most of us have memorized that. If you're on a sports team, you're like, hey, we did that every, every day in the locker room before we went out and played a game. Like, that's, that's what that is? That's from the Bible? I didn't know that. Who would have thunk it, you know? Um, we're reading from the New Living Translation today. So our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And let, don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. The theologian John Murray said, so that Jesus never taught his disciples how to preach. Never did. Never said, hey, here's how you come up with a sermon. Here's how you should deliver it. Here's three points and a message and an anecdote and send him home. No, he said, he taught him how to pray, though. He did not speak much of what was needed to preach well, but much of praying well. To know how to speak to God is more than knowing how to speak to man. Not power with man, but power with God is the first thing. So what Jesus is giving us here is he's not just giving us words to speak, that we say these words and that's all we pray. Jesus is giving us the, the ingredients here. He's giving us a posture, if you would. So if, if, if this posture is something we should model in our, in our prayer life when we pray, a couple of things that stand out. One, the right posture recognizes who God is. First and foremost, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. It's not, what's up, bro? Hey, God, dude, man, what, you know? It, it, it's, yes, God is our friend, but God is holy. God is, God is close, God is near, but God is also in heaven, seated on a throne, that has never been challenged or shaken or, 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 or never been threatened. God is in heaven. God is all powerful. God is holy, holy, holy. He's set apart. He's, he's, he's mighty. He's majestic. He's like, I mean, the, the span of the universe is measured by his hand. Like he is massive and huge and powerful. But he is, starts it with our father. For the Jews at the time, this was, whoa, hold on a second. They considered that too intimate. You can, you can call him Yahweh, but, but you, you cannot, our father, that, that's just too, too intimate of a relationship. And what Jesus is saying, no, 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 he is our father. He's your father. He's my father. 
There's a, there's a relationship here. It's not just stoic, this, this, this mighty thing that's, that's off in the distance, but the God of the universe who knows us, who loves us. Um, and, and God is not a reflection, per se, of our earthly father. He's the perfection of our earthly father. It's not, it's not like a, whether you had a great dad or whether you didn't have a dad or, or maybe not the best, it's not a, God isn't like a personification of that. God is the perfection of what it means to be a father. Like I've heard this said before, but if you think of the most loving person you know, okay? Like think of the person who's just like, man, that's the most loving. Think of the person who, who is the most joyful, Think of the person who, who is the most gracious. Every time you're around them, they're just, they're always full of grace. Think about the most encouraging person you know. Um, think about the person who is, who is the wisest person you know. And we could go on and on and on. And not like you combine those, but you take the attributes of all those people and you multiply them times perfection. And that begins to scratch the surface of who God is. So it's not a, it's not a version of it. It's the perfection of everything. That God isn't just joyful. God is joy. God isn't just peaceful. God is peace. God isn't just graceful. He is grace. So when we get to pray to God, we're speaking to our heavenly father who is perfect in all of his ways. And he calls us his children? Like that, that blows my mind that he would desire us. Not our, not our empty words, but our heart. And so if the posture begins in our prayers with Father, that, that changes our approach. Because we're not talking to some being or some force. We're, we're speaking to our Heavenly Father who made us, who knows us, who calls us by name. Um, I remember growing up, uh, I'm the youngest of three. Um, and my older sister and my older brother, they used to beat the snot out of me. Like, like for real. And they're not just like, oh, Matt, sweet. Like, they were gangster. Like, I'm, <laughs> there's no other way to describe it. My sister, she's six foot tall. Um, playing soccer and volleyball and softball. Uh, she played before there was a girls' high school soccer team, and so she played on the dudes' team. And she would slide tackle them, and she would knock them over. They were scared of her, okay? She did not play. And my brother played sports as well, and he was athletic. Um, and seriously, when I say they beat the snot of me, like, they did. They, and, okay, granted, a lot of it I deserved, because I just, you know, the youngest brother, you say the things, you antagonize. Um, and they would, they would pin me down. They, they just always, always picking on me. And, and I was inviting it right back by the things I said, what I did to them. Um, but I remember if it ever got too bad, the thing I would threaten to do was to call mom and dad. They're at work. I was like, I'm going to call mom if you don't stop it. And you know what they would do? They would pin me down. So I couldn't like that, or they would lock me in a closet or in a room and they would hold against the door because we used to have these things called phones with cords. I know, kids in the room, they're like, it's weird. Uh, and it was in the kitchen. And so I had to get to the kitchen in order to call mom or dad. But that was the threat. It's like, I will call her and 
my mom or my dad, somebody's going to show up and there's going to be a price to pay. So you better knock it off. And so more than just stopping, they would just torment me even further so that I couldn't get to it. But if I was able to get to the phone and call her, which I did a couple times, it was on like Donkey Kong because she would come home or when she got home, that was the worst part. Like the anticipation, the hours before mom and dad got home during the summertime is like, you're, you're cleaning the house, you're repainting, you're doing whatever you can to, we started a Bible study in the, in the, in the neighborhood, mom, look, please don't hurt me. Um, but it was always a threat is like, if I get that phone, I can contact them. And if I get in contact with them, something's going to happen. Right? Prayer is this ability that we have at any point of any day that we get to speak with God. It's not on the third Tuesday of a blue moon and a, with a, after the red moon happens that if, you know, like the one time, no. God is never too busy for you. God is never preoccupied to hear my prayers. God is never like, oh, you didn't say the right things. That's not important enough. I'm not going to listen. But the God of the universe wants to speak with you and I. And at any moment, we can get in contact with him. We can reach for him. We can pray. The second part of the posture that it does is it helps to realign our motives, desires, priorities, and devotion. Our motives, desires, priorities, and devotion. It helps to, to realign those things, to get them in the right alignment and the right perspective. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Prayer isn't about if we ask things and we say the right words in the right way that God's going to give us everything we want. It's like, boom, I found the equation. I found the secret formula. Ask this way, bend down a certain way, and God's going to do what you want. What if all of us right now, just for, let's throw it in a day, all of us today, everything you asked for from God, you got. You're like, ooh, I got a list, right? Some of you, you're going to show up tomorrow and your boss not going to be at work because you prayed that, <laughs> right? Some of you don't look at your spouse right now. I'm not saying no. Um, but some of you, like, can you imagine how chaotic that would be? If everything that we asked God for, we got? Like, all of us got a yes day. Have you seen that movie? Yeah, kids are like, that's our favorite movie. The premise is the parents agree to, they can only say yes to their kids for a whole day. They can't say, yeah, you're like, that sounds like a dumb movie. Uh, cannot say no. There's a couple of parameters. But now it worked out well for them, but I'm never going to do that. Uh, but imagine the chaos is that if everyone got whatever they wanted. That sounds good on the outside, but miserable on the inside. There would be chaos everywhere. And you know what? Because God loves us, God will often say no. You tell your kids no. I tell my kids no. Why? Because you don't want them running through the house with a chainsaw. That's not a good idea, right? No, you can't throw that at your sister's face. Like, 
Like we tell them no because we love them. Because in their four, six, seven, 20 year old brains, 27, um, some of us are like 37, uh, they don't know what's best for them, do they? And hopefully and thankfully, you're older and wiser and know what's best for them at times. And so because you love them, you say no. So prayer isn't this magic equation to, doesn't say, my kingdom come, Matt's will be done. No, it's this realignment. God, help my priorities be your priorities. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And you know what? God's will for you is the best thing for us. God's will for you is so much better than your will for you. It is. Because your will for you is dumb. I'll just be honest. My will for me is dumb. But God's will for you is so much better than you could ever ask or imagine. His plans for you will blow your mind. And sometimes the kindest thing that God will say is no. We'll talk more about that next week. But we have to know it's not just this magic equation. We, we say a prayer a certain way and God just gives us what we want. Think about it. Jesus himself in the garden, three times he prayed, Father, if it's at all possible, let this cup of suffering pass before me. But yet my, not my will, but yours be done. Even Jesus is praying, Lord, if there's a way, but if not, I want what you want. I want your ways, God. I want your kingdom to come. I want your will to be done in my life. And I hope that's a prayer for all of us. Prayer is never intended to be this instrument for accomplishing man's will on earth, but it's this means of us connecting with our Heavenly Father so that his will is done on earth. Uh, lately, I've been, uh, I've been walking. You're like, ooh. Uh, I, some back stuff going on. I haven't been able to like, run and like, lift weights normally, but I've been, I've been doing like these long walks, and my wife, uh, last year, she, she had a surgery, and she started walking on this trail that we have in our neighborhood, and for her, it was like just this time of, of like prayer and of worship and just incredible. And so she was like, go walk on the trail, go walk on the trail. And me being a man, I'm stubborn. And I'm like, no, I'm going to do this. And then finally I started walking on this trail because um, I'm a smart husband. I listened to her. Uh, I started walking on this trail um, back behind our neighborhood and taking long walks. And um, honestly, for me, it, it's been a time of uninterrupted just prayer. Um, it's been a time when there's, uh, there's no emails to respond to. Uh, there's no text messages there's, there's nothing else, but there's, there's no people asking for stuff. Um, and for me, it has been a, a deep well for my soul. To just walk for 45 minutes, hour, whatever, and, and just pray. And you're like, pray for that long? You'd be surprised. Stretch yourself beyond your, Lord, thank you for this food we're about to receive. Stretch yourself beyond Sunday morning prayer and, and, and just make space for God to speak and for you to speak with him. I should put on some like instrumental background music and I'm telling you, it is these past couple of weeks, it's just, it's been good for my heart and good for my soul.
and to see God's faithfulness. I encourage you to, to do that. Um, the single most effective thing to realign our, our priorities, our desires, all of that is the presence of God. It is. It's not a 12-step process. It's not a book. The greatest thing to realign our hearts with what is important is the presence of God. And lastly, this correct posture helps us to remember the source of provision and salvation. Remembers the source of provision and salvation. Verse 11 says, Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Some translations say daily bread. Uh, the reality is, is many first century people were day laborers, that they lived hand to fist. Like they, they, they earned their wage daily. They went and bought food and they ate it. Now, I'm going to make an assumption in this room that most of us don't live that way. Most of us don't worry about the food and where we're actually going to find enough food to eat today or to eat tomorrow. Like we, we can order bread on our phone and it gets delivered to our front door and we put it in the bread basket and take out the old one and throw it away. Like <laughs> convicting, right? I'd be like, oh, we'd kind of do that. But we, we have things called leftovers. Like growing up, it's like, you better eat that. There's kids starving in Africa. We're going to put it in a box and we're like, well, how are we going to get it there? Like what? But we, we, we take these things for granted. And for them to say daily bread, meaning that if, if they were injured or they were out of work for a couple of days, it could mean life or death. It didn't say that my employer is my provider. Didn't say that the government is my provider. God, you are my daily bread. Meaning that tomorrow when I wake up, when I don't know where I'm going to have provision, God, I'm trusting that you are it. I'm trusting that you, you, are, you are my sustenance. You are the one who provides for me. You're like, well, no, I work a job. That's what provides. God gave us the air that's in our lungs right now. It's on loan. You're not promised, and I'm not promised another breath. God gives us the ability to work. God gave you the intelligence to get the job. God gave you the ability to, to do that, to build that with your hands. God gave you that experience so that you could be in a position to earn a wage to provide. So God provided that for you. God is our provider. God is the one who gives. And our, our job is to, to steward that. Our job is to, to take what he's been given, to take what he's given us and to steward that. But they realize that when they're saying, God, you're my provider, it's not just like, oh, where are we going to eat after church? It's, I don't know what I'm going to have if I'm going to eat, but God, you are it. That hits different. Give us today, God, our, our daily bread. That's all we get. And we trust that you're going to provide for it just like you did yesterday, just like you did the day before. That God, give us today our daily bread and forgive us of our sins. Um, just as we were once dead in sin, right? When we were 
enemies of God that Christ died for you and I. If we've put our faith in Jesus Christ, if we've accepted him as Lord and Savior, that our, our salvation is secure, that our, our sins have been forgiven, we've received grace, guess what? That's great. We're supposed to extend grace to other people. Just as my sins have been forgiven, I'm going to forgive other people who sin against us. Not be a doormat, but we can forgive. We don't hold it against them. We, we forgive. Prayer is this access to the God of the universe. If you think about it, if, if, if salvation was, was us professing Jesus as Lord, if, if it, our eternity was changed through prayer, this exchange, this, this access to the God of the universe through prayer, we are healed, we are delivered, we are provided for, we are forgiven, we are restored. Like, you, you name it. Prayer is powerful, it's effective. And God delights in his children. God wants to hear from us. We're gonna continue down a few uh, sections later in Matthew chapter six still. Uh, Jesus is talking about fasting, and then he has this passage. He's talking about money. He's talking about possessions. And then concluding that, we pick up the, the account in verse 25. Jesus says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? I've never seen a bird stressed out with a to-do list, right? I've never seen a bird out there like planting seeds in the ground and then watering it. Like, I don't know what we're gonna eat this winter, you know? Like, birds don't get panicked. Why? Because they're birds. <laughs> Deep thoughts with Matt, right? They're... <laughs> They're birds. They're, they're not worried. They're not worried about, man, where, where's tomorrow's worm going to come from? He's saying if God provides faithfully for the birds, how much more does he care about you and I? How much of an unhurried rhythm of our life would it be if we didn't have to worry? And do you know what worry really is? Worry is a symptom of misplaced trust. It is. Because when we worry about something, we worry about things because we're in control of it. How am I gonna, am I gonna afford this? How am I gonna do this? How, how am I gonna manage these kind of things? And we worry and worry and worry. And it's okay to be concerned, but when it turns deeper to worry, it's because we're trusting ourselves as provider. Or we're trusting our employer or, or whoever it may be as our provider instead of, of saying, God, you know what? Thank you for this opportunity. I'm going to steward it well, but at the end of the day, you're my provider. When the trust is back on God to do what only God can do, then the worry is not there because we, the trust is placed on what's trustworthy, God himself. Not on a, a job or an occupation or you name it, but our, tr our trust is firmly in the finished work of Jesus. Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? And why do you worry about clothing? Men, do not quote this to your wives. Um, look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. 
They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. So why do you have so little faith? That's what he he tied it to. He's like, where is your faith in trusting that God is your provider? Where is our faith in trusting that God will do what he said he will do? So don't worry about these things, saying what we eat, what we drink, what we wear. Now, that's not permission to quit your job tomorrow morning and say, God's going to provide. He did your job. That's what he provided, right? Oh, we're just going just gonna to eat the word of God. No, like you're you're going to get hungry. Like, like God is giving you a means to provide. But I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to let that consume everything I do and say and think and be. Because at the end of the day, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to do what I've, I'm called to do, do what I can do, and trust God for the rest. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your Heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Not want, but need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Jesus didn't tell him just to stop worrying. There was an exchange. He said, instead of worrying, seek first the kingdom. It's not just, hey, don't worry, be happy, hukuna matata. It's, it's, no, 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 don't worry And seek the kingdom, because when we seek the kingdom, when we seek God's will for our life, we have everything that we need, because he is all we need. He is our provider. He's our protector. Think about it. The the Israelites, when they're in the desert, they, they saw God as their provider because all they had was God as their provider. There's, I mean, there's sand. That's it. And every day when they woke up, there was manna on the desert floor, and they collected it, and they ate it. They knew God was provider because they had to trust God as provider. And sometimes the deepest valleys that you and I go through when all we have is God is the most beautiful place we can see, we can be. Because we have to depend upon God as our provider, as God as our healer, as God as our protector. It's in those moments when we're not questioned with why do we have so little faith, but we see, God, you are good. You do provide perfectly for all of your children's needs. You restore, you heal, you do what we cannot do. So a little acronym to to remember if you're like, Matt, I just forgot everything you said. Here's Here's a very simple way to put it. Use the words or the letters and pray. In your time, there's not a formula. There's not an equation. It's not reciting these words, but you and your time with the Lord. One, P, praise. Spend time praising God. Praising him for who he is, for what he's done. Praise him. You could fill it 15 minutes plus with that in your day. R, repent. You do dumb stuff. I do dumb stuff. Repent. Repent of the sins that we've we've committed. Repent of the things that we failed to be obedient with. Repent. And we know that in his words, if we, if we come to him, that God does not reject a repentant heart, that there we will receive mercy. Um, a, ask, P-R-A, ask. 
Ask God for the things that you need. Your heavenly father already knows what you need. Ask him for them. And why? Yield. Yield. Whatever the Lord is leading you to do, to say, to be, to, to change, you do it. We yield to God's ways. We're not looking for God to stamp his approval on our plans. We seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all of these things will be added. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for today. God, we thank you that you're seated in heaven, but yet, God, right now as we speak, God, you hear us. Lord, you know the things that weigh on our hearts. You know our past, our present, and our future. God, you're not, you're not seeking compliance or regulatory words, but God, what you desire is our heart, is a, is a relationship with your sons and daughters. God, help us to any, anything, any lie that we have believed, any barrier from us approaching you in prayer, we know is not from you. And so we reject that in Jesus' name. And God, I pray that as a people that we would see, that we would see that the most powerful thing that we can do is pray. The most effective thing that we can do for our family is pray. The greatest thing that we could do to, to love a, a prodigal child or a neighbor or a coworker is to pray. Because if we sincerely seek you and your kingdom and your ways, we will be led to action. And God, let us be people who yield to you, to your spirit leading us. So Father, we thank you for the privilege that it is to pray. We thank you for the power that we have in accessing you. God, help us to seek your kingdom above everything else in our lives. And as we do, that we would be transformed from the inside out for your kingdom, for your glory, and for your namesake. So God, give us the discipline to do that. And help us to see the beneficial nature, Lord, of spending time with you and the transformation that happens in our hearts in the process. Father, we love you. We thank you. And it's in your mighty and holy name we pray. Now God's people said, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at therenovation.church.